Welcome to NetFront Presence. I'm Jeff Gordon of the Post-Dispatch, joined by Tom Timmerman and Jim Thomas, our beat reporters. And this is the Black Armband edition of the NetFront because we lost one of our all-time favorites. Again, David Perron. JT, we've seen this uh, we've seen this movie, movie before and doesn't make it any less painful, especially for the beat guys because uh, David's... Uh, a go-to guy, and besides being a great player and a great teammate and all those things, he's been been awesome for you guys. We've mentioned this before at the net front, uh, how we grade players has a lot to do with their quotability and media availability. And uh, uh, for me, David Perron might be top 10 all time. And it, that, that's quite a statement, considering I've been doing this for a while and all the years with uh, some great Rams players to deal with i mean he's uh he's honest he's accountable funny sometimes he, he gets the red ass and uh, even when it's a no comment he's good for like 45 second sound bite so he will be missed on all those on all those fronts uh, you know forget about the goals the power play what do you mean <laughs> the team uh it's a huge tremendous franchise player quote loss i mean <laughs> Tommy, is there a better quote on the team? I, you know, Falk improved a lot. I don't, I don't know if there's a better quote. Yeah, on the team. And, and his candor. I mean, he'll he'll step up and he'll you know be critical. He'll be he'll he'll be brutally honest. Um, uh, so yeah, no, I mean, and that's that's one of his one of the best things about him is that you know when when things aren't going well and some guys will say ah you know it's just things aren't you know he'll 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 give explanations. He will give valid points. So. Um, so yes on, on a personal level um yeah this is tough but on a but for the for our listeners out there who don't get to interact with them uh as often as we do uh equally if not more so painful yeah jt i mean the fans obviously are uh you know no amount of us trying to explain you know the multi-year puzzle that is the salary cap and and how uh, how how the doug armstrong envisions trying to go forward no amount of trying to foam the runway uh, as we as we did, could could really uh, prepare fans for for him leaving, particularly for for just two years, particularly for the money that he left for, which is not a staggering amount. And um, you know, it's just it's, it's really a it's a really hard to digest item for the fans, and I guess understandably so. Yeah, yeah, especially when you saw that it was just two years; it wasn't four years or anything like that, and it wasn't north of a uh, five million dollars, but. Uh... Doug Armstrong had he he had to make a choice because of the cap situation, uh, either Letty or Perron, and he chose to go with uh, with defense with adding a top four defenseman, which I think is a legitimate need, but uh, it was at the expense of Perron, and uh, you know Armstrong said as much. Uh, I said we had to rub out some money at forward to to strengthen our defense, and actually with the, the he rubbed out David Perron at forward uh, to make room for, for Letty. So that's just the way it is. Uh, he told me uh, coming out of the draft, and this is why you should read the Post-Dispatch and online because it was only in the Post-Dispatch that he tried to make some moves. He tried to free up some money at the draft and it didn't happen. So I knew when that happened that this is going to be tough. You know, uh, he, he couldn't free up any money. That doesn't mean that, in the future, he won't be able to free up money with a trade or a move, but not in time to save uh, David Perron. And so, uh, so here we are. And uh, Armstrong's uh, a lot of times on these moves, he, you know, instead of 
painting yourself even even into to to more cap trouble. Uh, he he just he just rips the scab the scab off and, and and goes with it and takes the heat. We've seen this before. Uh, you know, David Backus, uh, Alex Petrangelo, a little bit different situations in both of those. But uh, but here we are. And if you think this year is tough, just wait till 23-24, the cap situation there. It's, uh, uh, it's going to be hard to get out of that one. Yeah, this isn't the way, you know, I, I thought if Perron left, it was because somebody, some team was going to offer him $3 million or something, you know, or a three-year deal uh, or, or way more money. And this was boy, close to what I thought a Perron deal could look like. But, um, yeah, I mean, it, it comes back to the, it comes back to the cap and what the blues thought because it did two years, you know, as I thought a third year would be risky on Perron. I didn't think a second year would be risky, but at his age, you know, his, his career could end, you know, at any, at any moment, anybody's career could end. My career could end at any moment. Um, Tom, but, uh, don't say it. <laughs> if I say something on this podcast, the next thing we know, we're getting phone calls. So uh, who knows? Uh, yeah. But it's, I thought they would have been, but it, it was when you look at, the pieces, you know, to create space, they were going to have to, what were the options? Moving Tarasenko, which obviously hasn't happened now for going on two years. Um, moving Scandella, we've always said how difficult that was going to be. And after that point, I mean, those are the two ways you were going to create cap space, the, at least the most obvious or maybe least painful ones. And those didn't happen. And once it didn't happen, then the situation was rough. But I got to say, if you tell me, Tom, would you rather have Nick Letty or David Perron, I would have said David Perron. Yeah, it's uh, as well as Nick Letty played for the team and, you know, he fit in seamlessly uh, and that was helpful. This team, uh, JT, now has a, uh, a lot of guys and they're going to be in their 30s under contract for a long time. I mean, not not late 30s. We're not talking like a Chris Latane contract here, but it is interesting that they have a lot of D-men uh, making similar money uh, for, for a long time. And eventually they're, they tried to address some of that in the draft, I suppose, but um, something's going to have to give back there. Right. I mean, at some point now they couldn't do the Scandella thing. Uh, he's a depth guy. He might be your seventh D this year uh, at, at a pretty good ticket. Bortuzzo you can live with for, for light money, but boy, Falk, Pareko, um, you know, Krug and now uh, not a huge dollars, but Letty, these are, this is significant investment with guys about the same age. Yeah. And they're, they're, uh, they're definitely uh, the makeup of the roster. Now they're, they're, they're top heavy. I mean, they, they, they need more cheap labor uh, in, in the overall uh, picture. And yeah, you, you've got uh, three, three defensemen, I believe that are six and a half or, uh, and, and, and five defensemen that are, uh, what is Scandella like 3.275. Are, are over so uh uh again what we see now isn't necessarily what we're going to see at the start of the season or maybe during the season uh, uh maybe somehow he can uh he can move uh he, he can move uh scandela but uh yeah it, there's a lot of money invested on the defense and now you know they're gonna have to show something uh, and, and here's the thing. I, I, I get the logic. I get the logic with, I'm not saying it's right, but I get the logic of, uh, of, of Doug, Doug Armstrong. Okay. Perron's gone. You know what? You still have eight 20 goal scores. Okay. So you should, you should have enough, uh, you should have enough offense, but, uh, boy, with all this money invested in defense, they better produce. 
Yeah, I mean, they got eight. They got eight D guys now who have had NHL experience, not counting Kelly Rosen, uh, who would give them nine. But eight guys you would think fit in this rotation who were going to be on the yeah. roster when the when the season starts as it stands now. So you're scratching two every night, um, you know. And and who are those two guys that could, you could be scratching? You know, a, a good chunk of money uh, there if Scandell is one of those guys. Uh, I guess it's not the biggest endorsement of of Nico Mikola, uh, if because he would also be a candidate to be scratched. Because if you were big on Nico Mikola, you wouldn't have needed to sign Nick Letty for four years. Um, so yeah, it's it's going to be rough. And and yeah, I asked Armstrong about you know well you're going to have eight D, and he said you know it's awkward for the coach, not awkward for me. So um, it's a it's it's just a weird situation where you know I mean we saw last year where Jake Wallman was just you know he was too too good to wave, but too bad to play. And so, you know, that's going to be the case uh, with the blues every night. There's going to be a guy there that they don't want to pass through waivers because they want to keep him around, but he's just never going to play. By the way, that does sound, that'd be like a good sound, a uh, good song lyric. Uh, I could just almost hear that uh, with guitar riff behind that. Um, you know, and here's, we'll move on to, uh, now we'll move on to another cap issue that was addressed and it's uh, Robert Thomas's contract. And that seems about, <laughs> That, that seems about right when you look at uh, comparable contracts being signed elsewhere. Uh, you know, Doug Armstrong has a, uh, for the moment anyways, or still has a, a construct in mind for his, his payroll and he has uh, um, his personal salary cap. And now that Robert set a record, but it's, it's just sort of a cost of living increase over his previous uh, cap of 7.5. Um, it's JT. It seems like, a good contract for a player who's going to be here. They only have two dynamic young forwards. He is the most well-rounded of the two. He assumed a bigger role. He played in all situations. He's an emerging player in three or four years that 8 million could look pretty good. Uh, but your thoughts, I mean, I'm sure that also caught some fans a bit by surprise that that was a lot of money at this point to go forward for a guy that was uh, a, a distance still from unrestricted free agency. Yeah, the, the total amount to $8 million per was a little bit of a surprise to me, especially because uh, somehow with all these really good to really good players, uh, Doug Armstrong has managed to uh, to uh, keep it at 7.5, as you mentioned, Jeff, and, and below. And okay, maybe the first few years it seems high, but by the end of the contract, we're in about, I guess, two or three years, the cap is going to start going up four, five, six million a year. So in the later years of the contract, it's not going to look uh, so bad if you think it looks bad, bad now. And uh, you know, 8 million a year won't, you know, and you're, you're, you're gambling maybe a little bit on the future that Thomas can, uh, can keep this up, but uh, he's a dynamic player. Uh, uh, Doug Armstrong said he is, he will be the centerpiece of the team. And we could see this coming uh, uh, last year. Uh, 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 Thomas uh, got uh, more defensive zone faceoffs. He got, he got more playing time sometimes at the expense of uh, Ryan O'Reilly. This is the future of the team, as Doug Armstrong sees it. Uh, he told me uh, uh, a couple of weeks ago that he could see in two years that uh, Thomas, Cairo, Bolduc, and Neighbors all would be top six players. Well, <laughs> where does that leave the other guys? And if you figure Cairo's got to come in at $8 million as well. I mean, he's 
maybe a perennial 30, maybe 40 goal uh, score can be a difference maker was an all-star last year. <clears throat> you have 12 players under contract for 23, 24 and like 23 million and some change left. That's not counting Tarasenko. That's not counting O'Reilly. That's not counting Barbashev. And that's not counting Cairo. If Cairo comes in at 8 million, you've got 15 million and six forwards under contract. Tarasenko and O'Reilly both aren't going to be here after 2324 uh, and uh, or excuse me after this season after 2223 there's a chance that neither of them will be back after 2223 that's just that, that's just kind of the cap wall that the, that they're going to hit after this season. Yeah, you know that's one of the significant things of the Thomas thing is that it's it sets the the standard for what Cairo is going to get and just what Jim's talking about because people always what about you know when do the Blues acquire Matthew Kachuk? I don't see how, you know, if you're paying two guys $8 million, all of a sudden you're going to have a $9 million or guy also on the, on the roster. I, I just don't know how that would ever fit. So it, but it, it says a lot about what the situation is going to be going forward for this team. Now, Bella has not had uh, breakfast. No, she hasn't. And she's going to get it right now. Okay. Well, to, to Tom's point, uh, is uh, as Bella weighed in on that possibility of uh, everybody's weighed in on Matthew Kachuk possibility there, JT. So, so here's here's what you do. So the Matthew Kachuk situation is fascinating. Johnny Goudreau leaves the Calgary Flames. Uh, he leaves fifteen million dollars on the table to leave. He walks away from a ten point five million dollar offer to go to Columbus. I think it was a, it was a family deal. He wants to raise his family in the U.S. I mean, I understand that. He goes to Columbus, family, you know, he sees potential in the franchise, whatever. So he, he leaves Calgary. Calgary offered him 10-5. So here's Matthew Kachuk thinking, okay, I've got a, two choices. I can, uh, I can hold up the, the Flames who are going to give me that $10.5 million because they have no choice. Or, else, or I can decide, you know what, um, with Johnny gone, I'm out too. And then, um, and then he's going to get a similar chunk from somebody in unrestricted free agency. So now Calgary calls um, the Blues and said, okay, Cairo for and change for, uh, for Kachuk with the agreement that Kachuk signs, gives the Blues a sort of discount that Goudreau gave the Blue Jackets. But would A, I mean, it's, it's a lot of supposals there. But it's one I'm sure that fans are running through their mind because one, he's not going to pay. Uh, Armstrong's not going to give Kachuk what he could get in the open market. He's just not. Now, would Kachuk uh, play for less to play here? I don't know. I mean, I guess that's what it comes down to. Or is Kachuk is, is his play just to take max dollars from Calgary because Calgary's he's got a gun and he's got it to the head of uh, of ownership in Calgary. Like, okay, you want your franchise to fold? You're talking about a new arena, blah, blah, blah. You want to just, you know, you see how good Edmonton is? Pay me or else, adios. So it, that whole scenario just got real interesting up in Alberta, JT. Yeah, it did. And I, you know, uh, I, I don't usually play these these fan fantasy things, but I think the fact that Goudreau's gone kind of put some credence in this. I, I People that I've talked to that, that know the Kachuk say that he, yeah, he doesn't want to stay there without Goudreau. Uh, it's, uh, you know, uh, not that they're suddenly going to be just the crappiest team in the league, but the, the you know, the, uh, it looks definitely looks like they're heading downward. And so what do you do if you're Calgary, you try to get something from them this year, but just letting them walk. 
So what do you do if you're the Blues? Would you trade? And again, I, 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 I hate playing these games, but would you trade? And again, Tarasenko would have to agree. Would you trade Tarasenko and Krug for, for uh, and maybe throw in a draft pick for Kachuk, who's 24 and scored for 40, whatever goals it was. That frees up about 14 million in cap room. If you could get Kachuk at 9 million, uh, and too bad you couldn't do this while David Perron was was still a blue. But again, that doesn't solve 2023, 2024. Again, uh, Doug Armstrong has done a masterful job of tightroping the cap, avoiding cap hell for the blues. But uh, 20, like I said, 23, 24 uh, looks tough. And the blues and other top teams that uh, have spent to the cap, have chased the cup every year. They're the ones that are really penalized by COVID and the cap just going up one million a year this year, expected to be the same next year and the same the year after that before it starts going up, you know, four, five, six million a year. If it had been doing that all along, uh, you know, maybe maybe Perron's still here. Maybe the situation isn't as, uh, isn't as dire. But yeah, to circle back to your original point, Jeff, if, if, if I'm Calgary, I'm going to try to trade him. I'm going to try to get something for him now before he uh, just plays out this season and walks. Yeah, just think about the, just the Calgary situation. Here's a team that was competing for the Stanley Cup three months ago. They were a legitimate Stanley Cup team. And where are they now? Where are they going to be in a year? I mean, they are just going to, looks like, just go off a ledge. And it's just amazing, you know, it's why, you know, talk about, you know, savoring those moments you get. I mean, this was Calgary's chance. They didn't do it this year. And now they may not have a chance for, for a long time to come. Yeah. 115 point guy walks and uh, you offered him the moon and eight years, 10 and a half. I mean, a, a fabulous contract. And he said, you know what? Just can't, just can't raise my family in Calgary. You know, at the end of the day, you know, he's walking away from, he's got a number one line that's dynamic. Um, he's got a coach that got the absolute most out of him. Uh, he's got a team that's set to contend again next year. And he walks away from all of that to go to, to go to Columbus. And I'm not going to, you know, Columbus is a fine city. He gets a bad rap because, you know, uh, Pierre Luc Dubois didn't want to be there. Artemi Panarin didn't want to be there. Well, you know, now they're celebrating there. The joy in Columbus is off the chart while the agony in Calgary is unimaginable. Because they know that they got McDavid and Dreisaitl just skating down their throats now uh, till doomsday, and and they're and they're stuck. And again, I go back to the only way they could make that trade that would make sense for Calgary would be to get Cairo and to get him under contract because at least he's a dynamic player, um, and he could probably get ninety points playing you know stupid minutes uh, next to Lindholm, and, and I guess now Mangiapane. So that's the only deal that would work for them. And that would solve the blues problem about, you know, because they're going to have to pay Cairo anyway. So it would just be a matter of how much more you pay Kachuk than Cairo is to make the cap work. All of those are supposals. <laughs> but I got to think, uh, JT, that Calgary finds something to do out there that might, uh, might crush the heart of blues fans who keep pounding us in our live chats with scenarios <laughs> like this. You know, we just had the beast, yeah. JT, because yeah. – and, as, and as, as most of the, or many Blues fans know, uh, you know, Kachuk is uh, the, the Kachuks, uh, the entire family. They're thick as thieves with Robert Thomas. Uh, Matthew was playing golf uh, on a golf trip with Robert Thomas uh, 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 when Thomas uh, signed. Uh, 
So you, you, you have all that, but God, Columbus, again, not Columbus, a fine town, but it's not like they're a step away from the cup. How many of us had Columbus on our bingo cards? I, I, I didn't. Easily to me, the most surprising thing about free agency, I think NHL free agency is just fantastic the way it's just total chaos, even more so than uh, uh, the NFL uh, version. And then just uh, getting off the topic here a little bit, the second most surprising thing to me, and again, a very distant second was Vegas saying, here, Carolina, you need a little bit more scoring, don't you, to really make a cup run? Here, just take Max Pacioretty. Here, you can have him. Here, here he is. Here he is. And I know he's been hurt. I know he's 33, but he's a heck of a player. So, uh, yeah, chaos. Chaos in, in uh, the uh, NHL. Yeah, Vegas has, is just a, a fascinating team. As, as someone said, I mean, they love you there until they don't love you anymore. And then when they don't love you, that's that's it, you know. So, Max, you know, you know Marc-Andre Fleury, you were great. My goodness, you're the, you're the face of the franchise. Thank you very much. Thanks for stopping by. We, we got another goalie coming. Uh, Vegas is, it, it is a fickle town, it would appear. And you talk about cap hits, and this was painful with Perron, but mind you, Vegas literally gave away Marc-Andre Fleury, the Hall of Famer, literally mm-hmm. gave away Max Petretti, who could well score 35 goals for Carolina and, and get them over to Humpnexture. Just gave him away. Here, here's a really good player. You know, adios. I mean, and I, I, it's just, it's a goofy, that's, that's a goofy operation for sure. Um, let's take a look at a few of the, uh, the lesser moves for the Blues. Uh, the goaltender carousel got crazy as well, guys. And uh, all in all, one happy ending for Billy Husso for sure. Um, he's got a whole bunch of ex-Blues there in Detroit and, an, and a rising franchise. They have, they have upgraded in Detroit and they're going to be a competitive team this year. And good for him. He's probably going to be at least a, a 1A or a 1B um, there and then uh but the blues end up with grice who's a serviceable backup at at cap friendly dollars uh jt this seemed like a lot of madness and insanity out there uh matt murray to toronto and you lose jack campbell what um but grice just a reasonable response to the whole thing yeah and i you you look at that i looked at the, the goalies who were available uh and i just went yuck i mean okay <laughs> campbell darcy kemper Huso, and then the rest of the guys yeah, yeah, stay away. And 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 blues fans are all bent out of shape because they're looking at Grice's numbers last year. Easily the worst numbers of his career, 3.6 something uh uh goals allowed. He was playing a little bit of the Nick Letty minus whatever he was factor 30. Uh he was playing for the second worst defense in terms of goals allowed in the league. And you look at his numbers throughout his career, he's had a very good, very consistent career in all sorts of roles as the true backup, as the number one, as the one a consistently, uh, uh, you know, below three goals uh, and, uh, you know, nine, one, uh, are, are better, uh, in, in, uh, uh, save percentage. And so you look at last year and is that an outlier or is he 36 and just hit the wall and it's done. The interesting point about that was it was just a one-year deal. They offered Lindgren a a one-year deal, but Lindgren got three years. And unlike the NFL, the the money's guaranteed in the NHL. So why wouldn't you take that if you were Lindgren? And so uh, the Blues signed Grice. They didn't want to sign Grice to a two-year or three-year because you don't want to block Joel Hofer. Hofer needs one more year in the minors, and then he's the guy. 
very uh, uh, highly regarded prospect, uh, had a great uh, uh, playoffs for Springfield, really played better overall than uh, Lindgren did. And so that's what happened there. Yeah, you know, when it comes to the goalie situation, and goalies are just such a mystery, and you get to, once you get into that second or third tier where they were getting Grice, you know, there's a bunch of guys that are a whole lot alike, and you're just hoping that you pick the guy that's going to have a good year because there's not much to differentiate a lot of these guys at this point. And so it's, you know, you, you can pick any name, you know, out of the hat, and you're just hoping that it's the right situation. You know, there's always the risk. What happens to the Blues if something happens to Bennington? You know, if it's either either he gets hurt or if it's a repeat of last year where he hits a, you know, a bad spell, is Grice the guy that can do it? Or as we have said before, is he is he you know, you know, like like is he Chad Johnson? You know, is he he's, he's going to oh, be that guy? Oh wow, that hurts. That hurts. Huh? <laughs> you know, so it's it's a it, it is a it is a mystery and uh, goalies. Who knows? I mean, Grice could be, he could be Charlie Lindgren. I mean, no one saw Charlie Lindgren coming. And uh, he was, uh, you know, he played last season into a three-year deal. So let's, who knows? And I don't know that there was an answer that the Blues, I don't know the Blues were going to sign any goalie in that spot that was going to make you say, that's the guy. Yep, we get, we got the guy we won. It just, for what they were paying and what they were acting for, you were going to get, if not Thomas Grice, someone exactly like him. Yeah, you would have maybe Louis Domingue instead, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, there you go. Uh, all right. So the other thing that the guy, I, and way down the list of things that Blues fans should be smashing their head into their uh, computer keyboards uh, with angst while they uh, type angry missives to us in our live chats, um, would, would probably down the list of things is to Dakota Joshua. Now, he, uh, again, Doug Armstrong wanted to keep him, and it was time for him to get a one way deal, but he goes to Vancouver, gets a couple years. Uh, this is a guy. Um, I, I this is a guy who would have been a good player on next year's team, and it, in you know the winning draws, playing the body. You know, as we talked about earlier in the net front, looking to the net more, uh, producing the playoffs in the AHL. Uh, it was his time, and um, you know, again for no money. That uh, now this team has question marks with its fourth line JT. I think that could end up being one of those that really bites them. Yeah, yeah, I, I was in, Tom and I were talking about this yesterday, I think, I, I was surprised uh, late in the season, his last of like 37 call-ups, that, uh, that they sent him down to Springfield again, because he, he was playing very well uh, uh, the last time he was called up, and as you mentioned, Jeff, he had, he had a great, he was one of the best Springfield players in the playoffs, producing goals and, and points, with, with, which is the one thing of his game at the NHL level uh, he still needed to do. Uh, again, it comes down to, I, I believe it was just a one-year offer by the blues and they couldn't go to, again, I can't, uh, oversell, uh, the, the 23, 24 cap situation. They're, they're going to be searching the, the, uh, uh, sofa cushions for, for space. So they didn't want to go two years on him. He gets two years in, uh, in Vancouver and off he goes. Now, originally I was led to believe that if Joshua left, that maybe there would there would be room for Bozak to come back, but then as soon as Joshua goes, the the Blues go out and sign Noel Achari and uh, have to pay a little bit more, uh, uh, like two hundred fifty thousand more than uh, they were they were uh, than what Joshua got and what I presume the Blues were offering Joshua. But uh, 
as their fourth line replacement. So I, I, I'm guessing right now that, that this is it for Bozak and that, that, that Achari is that, that fourth line guy. And then the blues re up uh, Nathan Walker, adding a year onto his contract. So he apparently is going to figure in this team's plans again at a, uh, at a, at a cut rate, always a good price, but a one-way contract for uh, Nathan Walker for his extension for the first time in his career. So yeah, is that fourth line with Torbchenko out at the start of the year? Is it, you know, do you have Achari and you have Logan Brown and Nathan Walker, or does someone else emerge uh, out of this? Uh, you know, Clem Costin is still uh, working in the franchise. Um, so um, it I would, and this, this is not a fourth line topic, but the fact that Vladimir Tarasenko has not been traded yet, now you don't need to create cap space. So he's going to be here, right? Unless there's another team, unless it's a, a hockey trade where it's dollar for dollar because it, cap space doesn't do them any good anymore. So they trade him now. They got to get $7 million of player back. Am I seeing that correct? Does that seem right? Well, I think there's still some guys out and, and maybe you could trade them for someone uh, who was uh, – uh, uh, you better trade him for someone who's, who, who's a scorer uh, and not for prospects or draft picks, because then you're, you're, you're minus 60 goals from last mm -hmm. year's team, his 33 and Perron's 27. That was 20% of your scoring from, from, from last year. So yeah, I kind of have to think, okay, you never say never with Armstrong, but as we sit here right now, once Mikola signs his, uh, his RFA and, and he's arbitration eligible. So maybe that takes a while. Does Costin's an RFA? Do, do they, do they, uh, do, I, I would think they would uh, resign him unless Costin, who's, who's in Russia now, if he decides ah, this isn't going to work in the, uh, in the NHL, I'm, I'm just going to go back to the, to the uh, KHL. I'm, I'm thinking this is the roster right now. And as we sit here right now, is it as good as the team was last year at this point? I don't think so. No, no. I mean, it's because uh, right now, Steve, I'm just thinking, okay, here's what's going to happen with the power play. They're going to work the puck around. 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 And then it gets out of the zone <laughs> because the one guy that was going to shoot the puck every time he was in a shooting position was David Perron. And you just took away your trigger. You took away your weapon. Who's going to be that guy? Uh, again, like John Kelly says, a lot of guys dust off the puck on that power play. Uh, mm -hmm. Krug's not going to shoot it. Prunovich isn't going to shoot it. Buchnevich is going to make a ridiculous pass instead of shooting it. I mean, Tarasenko. How about what's Thomas going to do? Yeah, he'll, yeah he's, he's looking for the pass. Tarasenko will shoot it, but only after pondering life's mysteries for a bit and edging in a little closer so he could uh, then, then risk a shot off the post. So, no, this is going to be uh, – Steve Ott, I hope you're enjoying your summer, buddy. Because yeah. I don't know, man, you just lost your, just lost your trigger, man. Uh, that's a, I, I'm going to be intrigued. I mean, this is uh, we want to, we hate to end on a negative note here in the net front, <laughs> but in a serious note, man, we're going to be writing your JT and Tom Timmerman be writing uh, multiple power play stories in the first two <laughs> months of the season. And why did man advantage? Yeah. 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 I, uh, I'm, I'm envisioning that as well. Now, uh, greater role for Cairo. He's, he's not afraid to shoot. Greater role for Saad, who I think was underutilized last year. Wasn't a full-time guy and actually was uh, 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 tied. Wasn't a full-time guy on the power play and was actually tied for third in goals. He had eight power play goals. But, yeah, uh, and Shen needs to shoot more. Shen needs to shoot just more in general. <clears throat> but uh, 
you got a lot of guys that are going to defer and pass on the power play. I, I do not disagree with you at all, Jeffrey. Yeah. And I guess as it stands right now, you know, Ivan Barbashev is back. He, he was on the power play. He was off the power play. He and Saad kind of traded. I guess, I guess now he's, he's back on it unless uh, Jake neighbors uh, were to emerge as a, as a power play guy. And I, I don't know that that's the case. Well, this has been fun. A, <laughs> a spirit edition of uh, Netfront presence. Uh, I want to thank, uh, Jim Thomas, Tom Timmerman, Bella weighed in on the uh, <laughs> earlier on, on these, I think the Kachuk situation. Uh, we'll probably be on vacation, uh, the net front here, unless there's something, some blockbuster occurs. But like the boys said, it appears for the foreseeable future anyways, that the Blues are done maneuvering unless somebody has a, a bright trade idea. So we want to thank everybody for listening during the hockey season and this off season. A reminder that you can See all of our podcasts, uh, or hear our podcasts, see our videos, read all the stories, tons and tons and tons of content. The guys just killed it again uh, going through the draft and free agency. There's so much out there. If you haven't caught up, please do. Remember our live chats. I'm sure I'll be hearing from some folks uh, from week to week on some of these issues as well. Uh, but until next time, for Tom, for Jim, for me, Jeff, uh, see you.